0: Well, good evening. It's so good to be God's people together. There's a few fewer God's people this evening, but I'm so glad that you are here. It is good to be together. I want to invite you to grab a Bible in front of you or the one you brought with you or the one on your phone and turn to the second half toward the book of Colossians. I learned this as a teenager that those letters in the New Testament, you can remember it like this. General Electric Power Company, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, or as my wife says in Jesus' name, go eat popcorn, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. So if you remember nothing else about this sermon, remember that, go eat popcorn. All right, after much ado, I hope you find the book of Colossians. And we're going to be looking there in chapter 3. There's a couple notes on that worship guide there for you. And I want to remind you that we don't just celebrate Easter as one day, but Easter is a season. And we don't just celebrate the fact that Christ is risen, although he is. We're going to find that those of us who have said yes to Jesus have been raised with him as well. Chapter 2 of Colossians talks about how the fullness of God dwelled in Jesus, and he followed the way all the way to the cross so that he might die to free us from sin, death, and evil. And so we've died with him. It's like we were married to the world and its ways, but When someone dies, that marriage, covenant, and contract is freed up. So because we died with Christ, we've died to sin, death, and evil, the way of the world, and we're freed up to now live a new life. So chapter 3 says, by the way, you hadn't just been freed and died with Christ. You've also been raised with him. So now that you're there in Colossians 3, I'm going to read a lengthy portion, the first half. Would you listen? And then I'm going to tell you a parable and I'm going to give you a game-changing reminder and then we will receive communion and continue to worship. Colossians chapter three, verse one. Since, all that stuff we just talked about, chapter two. Since then you have been raised with Christ, Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not earthly things. For remember, you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. Verse 5. malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. And don't lie to each other, since you've taken off your old self with its practices and have put on a new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge and in the image of its creator. Here there's no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, Barbarian, Scythian, slave, or free. But Christ is all and is in all. Verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, get yourself a new wardrobe and clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if you if any of you has a grievance against someone basically just forgive as the lord forgave you and over all these virtues put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity verse 15 let the peace of christ rule in your hearts giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is the word of God for the people of God, and we say, thanks be to God. You might want to keep that open as I tell you a parable. A parable is a story with a hidden meaning, and I think if you keep Colossians chapter 3 open, it won't be hard to deduce the hidden meaning. There are two villages. One of the village is called Selftown. The other village is called Loveland. Selftown is a pretty rough and rowdy place. It lives up to its name. Everybody that lives there is loud and unbearable, but they like to party. And the reason it's called Selftown is because ultimately what gets them up in the morning and drives them through the day and it's what they're thinking about when they lay their head down at night is me, 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 me. How can I get what I want? To the exclusion of all others, they are looking out for me, myself, and I in self-town. In self-town, they spend so much of their time misusing effectively two good gifts of God. The first is the misuse of sex. The first is the misuse of... Of speech. Speech is the gift that God gave those in Self Town to communicate and connect. Also, sex is a gift God gave to communicate and connect. Chiefly, love. But in Self Town, it ain't about love, it's about who? Me, myself, and I. So in Self Town, they are going buck wild, baby. And you see things like immorality, which is a catch-all term in self-town and the language of Colossians, to describe the kind of activity that doesn't care who you're supposed to be with or the safeguard of a covenant relationship, I'm about me, myself, and I, so you got it, I want it, let's get it. Then you find things like impurity. They're going beyond what's good and loving and appropriate. You see lust in self-town and evil desires in self-town. And the difference between lust and love is love says, what can I give? And lust says, what can I take? Love says, I see you as a person to be loved. And lust says, I see you as an object to be used. Are we listening? In self-town, it's all about me, myself, and I, and they misuse the gift of sex, not to connect and communicate, but to gratify me, me, me. And ultimately, that's why the name of the game is greed. I need it, I want it, I want more and more, which is idolatry. And you say, wait a minute, what? Idolatry? That sounds like some old school pagan figurines on a mantel place or the Old Testament sacrifices. Ultimately, idolatry is setting your heart on what is not God. When greed and lust and all of this is me, 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 give me, give me, give me. It's ultimately setting my desires and my life force and my will and my wants on earthly things. And when this is the going practices of self-town, when somebody else has a me, myself, and I that ain't you, there's gonna be some conflict and friction in self-town. You see, Town is riddled with a bunch of backbiting, fussing and cussing, old, crotchety people. They are angry, and if somebody cuts them off, they're going to rage out at them. Like my man in a blue car, God bless him wherever he went, coming off a 78. I gave a little beep-beep for the person. This man gave a... We all saw the green arrow, man. We all made it on time. These people are raging out. And the thing about rage when it simmers down, when when rage is at a simmer, it's malice. Every single person is not someone to be connected to, to be loved. They're somebody that I got to put one over on and they're just looking to get me. I know it. Malice says you are a person to be feared. Where lust says you're an object to be used, malice says you are an other to be feared. And so when they're away from those kind of people, they say, Can you believe this guy? And they slander and they lie. Because ultimately, it ain't about you, it's about me in self-town. You want to live in self-town? Well, the alternative in this space is love land. Love land is a lot less about me and a lot more about what? We. In self-town, it's me, me, me. And in love land, it's not about where you were born. It's not about if you're a Jew or a Gentile. It's not about the old markers of religiosity that show the world that I'm a good person and you must be a bad person. It's not even how people in the world divided up by saying civilized and uncivilized. Rich, poor, black, brown, white. You see, those cultural markers that they get so obsessed with in South Town don't hold much water in Loveland. They see an other and they say, brother, they see an other and they say sister, father, mother. They see a neighbor and they see someone to be loved just as I would love myself. It's not about me, it's about we. There's unity and inclusion. And when you let those things that divide and slot the world as this or that kind of person, when you melt that junk away You find yourself seeing the dignity and humanity of another person. And you can be walking around the street in Loveland and see compassion and kindness and humility, which is not considering yourself as better than another person, but we're all just going through this thing. And I don't know what you're going through. I'm going through my stuff too. So I'm going to come alongside you with gentleness, And because I'm not perfect, you're not perfect, we see a lot of patience in love land, not like Levon Drive laying on horns. Everyone drives perfectly in love (laughs) land. Because overall, the piece that binds the whole thing together is the town's namesake, love. All of these things, unity, inclusion, compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, mutual sharing, mutual tolerance, mutual forgiveness, just like God forgave us. All of these things are synonyms for love. Love is a choice. Love is an action to relate to the other as valuable, even at cost to yourself. When I say, Amy, I love you, it costs something. It's a lifelong journey in marriage to learn to say we over me, to learn to say you and to look to your needs. Then, whatever selfishness I have left over from my time in Self Town, if that's still there after marriage, just wait till I had a couple of redheads. And whatever selfishness was still clinging to my heart and my soul, I have to put off. And I have to look to the good of these precious children entrusted to my care. Because ultimately, unity and inclusion and compassion and kindness and forgiveness, all of this is a synonym for love. And real love costs something. It's real cheap to tweet about thoughts and prayers. It's a wholly other experience to give someone your time. And the thing about giving someone your time is that you're giving them your literal life. Because another synonym for love is presence. My friend told me that yesterday. My friend who wouldn't have belonged to a category of Christian or non-Christian, good or bad, or whatever label, he defies it. And he said something that's going to stick with me for the next several months, that presence is a synonym for love. Because when I show up in Loveland or Garland... And I see you, and I hear you, and I sit with you. The me, me, me starts to melt away. And it's going to cost me my time. But if we committed to this, we might just change our village. And because they live like that in Loveland, the peace is just permeating The whole village. And because it's so peaceful and they can keep their doors unlocked at night. And because they can knock on a door that's the wrong address and not fear a shotgun blast. Or the next day they can back into someone else's driveway and not get shot at. Or like the next day when someone can go into a car that looks just like the same car that she goes into every other day. She doesn't have to worry about getting shot at. And when a little six-year-old girl has her basketball run into somebody's yard and she gets shot at and her dad gets shot at, it's so much different in Loveland when you don't lead with violence and hate, but you start with acceptance and dignity and peace and understanding. It's different there. But our world looks way too much like self Town. Because every person is an enemy and an other to be feared, not a person to be heard and seen. But in love land, when you commit to a life of love and presence, you start to put off the the same clothes You just have to wear something different. And you know what it's like when you wear something and you're looking so good and your fit is so right. And it just changes your behavior. And the town charter in this place of peace, they're so thankful for it because they've all committed to the way and wisdom that there's a person That modeled so perfectly the kind of clothes that we want to wear. And if we would just give our whole self. And our whole love. We see this kind of peace and wisdom and way. In the town charter. And it geeks us out so much that we can't help but sing about it. It overflows in praise and thanksgiving. To the tune... Of every job done is done for and through our mayor. Every dish washed, every meal served, every house built, every child taught, every time shared is for and through our mayor, our leader. And we're following his example. Because Self Town in verse 5 looks a lot like immorality and a misuse of sex. And Self Town in verses 8 to 9 looks a lot like a misuse of speech with anger and rage and malice. And so the problem becomes a way in which we need to put off the old things from our old ID that had an address in Self Town. And if we could put that off, just maybe, even though it's costly, in verse 11, we can begin to see people as neighbors to be loved. And just maybe, we can see them as worthy of compassion, kindness, all those things in verse 12. That works itself out when conflict happens in verse 13, of a mutuality of forgiveness and understanding. And overall, The thing that ties the whole outfit together in verse 14 is what? It's love. And when you get a town doing that, you see flourishing. You see peace and thanksgiving and praise, and everyone has a sense of purpose. Where would you like to live? There was a time in my life when I thought Southtown was pretty epic. And some days in Selftown are really fun, to be honest. But it's one thing to vacation there for the weekend, and it's another to buy a house and put down roots. But the thing about Selftown is that I grew up there I had a community of friends there. I was taught there and graduated high school from there. And I got my first job at the Southtown Burger King there. And I had a vested interest in the path of least resistance of just staying put. Yeah, I had heard about Loveland. But it's too costly and weird and strange, and frankly, it seemed too hard. But one day, a man comes with an announcement and an invitation, an opportunity for citizenship in Loveland. But you gotta follow him, and it's gonna cost you. It's gonna cost you your old ID. Your own sense of me, 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 and my identity and my address from what I've always known. And frankly, Town is so much bigger than Loveland. And all my friends are there. But it's going to cost me that identity and that address. It's going to cost my old uniform. But that's fine because Burger King is stinky anyway. My wife hadn't been there in 10 years. So maybe I can give up the old polo shirt and crown. <laughs> but it's one thing to do that. It's another to give up the hurts and hang-ups and habits that have nursed and been so integral to the story I tell myself about who I really am and who I'll never really be. I'm not meant for love land I've done too much. I've said too much. My habits are too wrong. But I heard this man, and I heard his announcement of a place where we could truly flourish as we were always made to be. And I heard his invitation to go and renew my citizenship. And so I followed him through the river and across to the other side, and what I found in going through the waters, and He called it baptism, was I got a new shirt, and He told me that my old self was buried, and that I didn't need that ID anymore, and I didn't need that clothes anymore, and I didn't need those habits anymore. And I said, "Well, then, what am I supposed to do?" I mean. This feels like a death, this feels hard, this feels wrong, but also I feel strangely alive. And he said, that's because you've hitched your wagon to me and I am the one who will live forever and death will not be the end. And if you continue with me, you will find that you have been raised in newness of life and you've been given a new job to go and invite others through the same waters and find life as it's always meant to be lived. And everybody who's been burned out on religion and everybody who's burned out on me, 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 me. And anyone who's followed a list of do's and don'ts that feel heavy, they will find that it's actually such simpler and deeper than they ever realized. It's about loving God with everything, which leads to loving your neighbor as yourself. You see, you have died and you've been raised and your life is hidden in me and the degree to which that you remain connected to me, connected to the source, connected to the realm that you can't see but is no less real, the degree that you keep yourself open to the source of life and love, you find that it ain't about trying harder. It's simply a matter of drinking deeper of a love that calls you wanted and longed for and forgiven, and you have a new purpose and you have a new job. You've been raised to walk in newness of life and you find that all this mess about do's and don'ts really boils down to trusting that i've given you everything you need that it really boils down to simply accepting that you're accepted I don't like that. I need to earn it. In self-town, I had to wear certain things and abstain from certain things. And it's about willpower and this. And he says, no, 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 just abide in me. Yeah, but, but really, my youth pastor told me that I can't do this. No, 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 no. In the go eat popcorn, in the go part, I'm saying that the only thing that matters is faith expressing itself in love. What is this word faith? It's trust. The only thing that matters is trusting me, the one in whom your life is hidden, the one in whom you abide, the one in whom I abide in you. The only thing that matters is a trust, is an abiding sense that you are enough The only thing that matters is a trust that gets worked out into the world as love. Not self, not me, me, me. The only thing that matters is not try harder, but drink deeper of your identity as one in whom Christ dwells. And every sin, every old clothes that you slip on to see, can I still fit in these jeans? Every time you still put those old jeans on, the Holy Spirit comes alongside you and says, dude, that's not who you are. You can't pull those off anymore. It's like Amy walking through Target and seeing all this 90s stuff. And she goes, my grandma always told me, If you are old enough to wear it the first time, you're not allowed to wear it when it comes back again the second time. Amen? (laughs) Maybe those butterfly clips and those midriff shirts and those bell-bottom jeans are simply not you anymore. And maybe sin then becomes a failure to recognize that you are loved and a failure to extend that love to the world around you. Adultery is a failure to love your neighbor who is spouse. Pornography is a failure to love the other person because they're an object to be used. Greed is a failure to share with your neighbor in need murder in hatred and racism and sexism or anyism is a failure to consider the dignity of the other and their life which is a failure to love so if sin is a failure to experience and extend the love of god salvation is the willingness the awareness of the fact that your life is hidden in Christ and you keep trying to squeeze into these old t-shirts and jeans that simply aren't you you've died to the power of sin you've died to the penalty of sin and you say well i keep doing it because i know so keep following me but i can't lick this habit i know So keep opening yourself up to me. Keep opening yourself up to a love so that when you walk and keep in step with the Spirit, you find you may not gratify the desires of the flesh as much as you did when you lived in self-town. Yeah, but my youth pastor says, just read my Bible more and, and try harder. Okay, so long as it helps you remain in conscious contact With the source of life in love. Perhaps it really is. The only thing that gets you through death. Is a trust that expresses itself. In love. The being and experiencing. Of God's love. That leads itself to the sharing and extending. Of that love. It might not feel. Like you're raised with Christ, so set your mind on it. It might not feel like it, you might forget it, but it doesn't mean it's not true. The invitation is to remember whose you are that's his and who you are. You've got a new ID, you've got new clothes. Accept that you're accepted. Accept who you are now in Christ because the more you sit with this, the more you set your mind when that conversation happens and you start to slip back into slander and malice and rage, would you set your mind where Christ is and your true self is and say, Jesus, abide in me as I abide in you. Help me. To experience your love and extend it to this person I want to go crazy on with the horn or my words. And when you walk into that situation, you know what it is that week, that thing on your calendar you're not ready to do. What would it look like to set your mind not on the earthly things that are passing away, but where Christ is in your life truly is hidden and kept safe and stored and secured in the safe of his burning and loving heart. What would it look like to step into that situation and say, I am one in whom Christ dwells. Christ is here with me. Christ is giving me the power and life and love and resources. I'm going to drink deeply of that. I'm going to sit quietly in that before I step in and make more of a mess of it and tell them where I'm from. Because it ain't self-town anymore. What would it look like in that conversation, that conflict? This is how it moves from theory to practice, to be present to God, to be present to others, so that more and more it becomes second nature, and you realize, oh, now I'm looking like a citizen of Loveland. Boy, it was rough that first week. But just like anything else, the longer I'm formed by the mayor and the townsfolk, I find that I am more loving, more gracious. You see, there's a flood that is rising and coming for the two villages. There is rushing waters that's going to sweep through both town and Loveland. And if you did a Bible search on the word wrath in the New Testament, you will never find it in the same sentence as the cross. Let that just take that with you. There's something that happens on the cross that's not God getting all of His rage and anger and malice out on the whipping boy, Jesus. There's something instead to be said that that, that on the cross... God is reconciling the world to himself in love. So, if wrath isn't found there in the common usage in our world today, what is it and where is it? Wrath is nearly every time spoken of as something to come in the future. And the thing about God is that when John said, if I had one word to describe God, I say, God is love. And Paul says, above everything, put on love. And then Paul says that the only thing that matters is a trust that expresses itself in more love. So what if the God who is love has this moment that will come where the floodwaters begin to rush down and the metaphor the Bible uses is wrath. But the thing about that flood of wrath, it originates from a heart of love. And the thing about love is that it costs. And hearts can be broken. And so when God, who is love, looks at Town and the hell that's been created there, it breaks his heart. And they have so wrecked so many lives that... When the flood comes, the, the, the foundation and the work and the structures and the people that have looked only to self to the exclusion of all else, they find that nothing gets left when the floodwaters swept through. But in love land Their structures and their people and their way survive the flood because it was deeply rooted in the loving heart of God. So when they experience the flood, they look around as it passes through and they find themselves unscathed because their life has been hidden in the loving heart of God. And that as the flood water comes and sweeps away everything that is not love and not God and is, in fact, the antithesis of heaven, they find that nothing is remaining. It gets swept away sometime later when the flood comes. But those who experience that flood and come to see that I'm still here with my clothes on, They see that the mayor who was there always, even though unseen, they look up and they realize that when he appears, we're still standing with him in life and goodness and glory. Not because we tried harder, but because we drank deeply of the one who says, I am the way and the truth and the life. And the life he gives can never be snatched away. It matters less about how good you are. It only matters that you say, I am yours, and I will trust that I am who you say I am forgiven and freed and a beloved child. A life well lived is a life well loved. And I hope as our story concludes, you consider the kind of person you want to become and the kind of community we want to foster. And that maybe this week, the invitation is to simply remember where your life truly is and who you truly are in Christ. Since you've been raised with Christ, Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Amen and amen. Go now those raised with Christ, receiving and reflecting God's great love and telling the story of your salvation. Be on your guard against the hang-ups and habits that distract our minds and hearts from the way of heaven. Instead, may God reach out to you and restore you. May Christ Jesus renew you in the image of your creator. And may the Holy Spirit revive you with resurrection power. Go in peace to love and serve God and neighbor.